Welcome back to Smart Talk. I'm Katie Meyer, sitting in for Scott Lamar, and we're talking to Emily Previty of Keystone Crossroads, Mark Levy of the AP, and we're talking about gerrymandering and what could possibly be next for Pennsylvania. So we've made it pretty clear we don't really know exactly what is going to happen with the Supreme Court case. There's a lot of possible outcomes. Um, one of the things I do want to lock down, because I think this is an important point to uh, emphasize, is the really unprecedented nature of what's happening here. Um, and, we, I mean, we've talked about, I mean, having a state court redraw congressional maps, I mean, that's, has anything close to that ever happened that you guys know of in a different state? or Not for political mm. gerrymandering for Congress, but, I mean, there was a redrawing that happened in Pennsylvania in 2012 for the right. state legislative districts. And I wasn't here at that time, but and I know you were not either, but Mark was. I don't know if he could sort of fill in and compare what's happening. Yeah. So um, it was uh, it was uh, it inspired a lawsuit um, mm-hmm. by a woman who showed that you can draw maps that are far simpler, that um, require far fewer splits of municipalities and counties. Now, these legislative maps have far more districts than we do for Congress. So um, it's it's a slightly different animal, but the the concept was similar, and the uh, state supreme court struck it down and said these maps don't you know, they are unnecessarily complicated. They unnecessarily break municipalities and counties. They were drawn by Republicans um, who controlled the legislature and the governor's office at the time, and so when they redrew them, the court uh, approved it. Uh, sometime later. Um, but those maps had fewer splits in municipalities and counties and were a little bit more compact. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's a little bit of precedent in Pennsylvania for a court selecting a map. In 1991, we had a divided legislature that couldn't approve a map. It couldn't agree on a map. So uh, a group of Senate Democrats sued and said the map that we're supposed to replace should be declared unconstitutional. Um, I think the state was shrinking from 23 congressional districts to 21 at the time. And um, the court did throw out that that 23 district map because the state, based on the census uh, recount, was supposed to go down to 21 districts. And ultimately, um, judges picked a map that uh, they believed made the most sense from among a selection of maps that were uh, submitted by uh, lawmakers and parties to the case. Mm-hmm. And now, when we talk about gerrymandering in Pennsylvania, it, the, the discussion always takes a lot of different forms. Uh, one of the things that has come up over the last year or two is the this concept of actually changing who draws the maps and who has the say in how they get made. And usually when this is, comes up, it's an independent citizens commission that gets uh, suggested. There has been you know, legislation put in place. This would have to take a constitutional amendment to change this process. And it's basically it's designed so that the process becomes less partisan. You have uh, independent citizens who are probably would not have as much of a vested interest in certain outcomes as our legislature would. Now, this has never really gotten anywhere. But the reason I bring that up is that would be an actual change to the process of how we draw the maps. This case, I mean, no matter how it turns out, it's not going to change the process, is it? No. No. And <laughs> so, I mean, to elaborate. No, but it could, I mean, it could provide some momentum. You sure. know, I mean, it's there's a lot more attention on this issue right now than there has been um, for quite some time uh, or, you know, 
I don't know, not ever, I wouldn't say ever. I don't know if that's a statement I'd be willing to make, but um, in not just memory. in Pennsylvania, but in other in other states. So that could provide momentum, but no, it wouldn't directly change the process. And there are bills in the legislature right. that would change the process, well, but yeah. they've gone exactly nowhere, right? Right. And I guess that's why I want to get into, because I think there are, maybe there's some confusion about what this you know, decision would actually mean. It means we get new maps until like two years from now where we have to redraw them again. Right. So every 10 years, every state is required to adjust its um, congressional map based on the, the census. And so Pennsylvania, because it's growing slower than most other states, is expected to lose at least one more congressional seat. So where there's 18 now, theoretically, um, it would have to draw a new map for the 2022 election in which there would be 17 seats. Um, um, I think there's been some speculation that Pennsylvania would even lose two seats. So mm-hmm. perhaps it would go down to 16. So uh, inherently, you would have to draw another map for that. So what uh, the state is going through now, um, whatever map it comes up with here in the coming weeks, will will be torn up in, in a couple of years and, and redrawn for 2022. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, just to not to belabor the point, but I mean, this isn't going to make lasting difference necessarily drawing this new map it'll make a difference in the coming election possibly uh probably but uh you know other things have to change and now we mentioned this legislation that's been in uh the legislature we've talked about this before at some length but why doesn't it ever get anywhere mark or emily if you have to Well, I mean, I I would just say that the legislature is just like every other legislature and every other government agency that um, these things um, seem inherently to want to expand their power and not give up power. And and the Pennsylvania legislature is is like that. It it, it likes to expand its power, not not reduce its power. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's not you can understand why or it, it kind of makes sense that people who were brought to power by a certain structure or system may be loath to change that. And really where you see independent commissions um, and alternate ways to handle redistricting, those are states where, California, for example, where there is um, direct initiative and referendum, which we don't have in Pennsylvania. Um, And I would even say that things like public access laws and open records and things like open meetings, um, open records those states with stronger laws in place, you tend to see, you know, a more transparent process, even if the legislature is um, the entity that's handling it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do want to ask as well, because I think, you know, Democrats have been the ones, you know, leading this, you know, quote unquote, charge for gerrymandering reform, um, just because they've been the ones disenfranchised by the current system for a little while. Um, at least they are the ones that haven't had as much power under it. Now, um, if Democrats do get back into power, I think a lot of people may assume, oh, then maybe we'll see some uh, redistricting of reform. But I mean, that's not necessarily the case, right? The party in power has a vested interest in staying in power. Right. And even, you know, the point came up during the case that plenty of Democrats or enough Democrats voted for the maps that are effective now because their districts were safe and they they knew that they would 
you know, just be able to get elected again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that happens when we, you know, gerrymander is margins go up in Democratic districts as well. So some people become safer in the districts that they're in, regardless of what party they're in. Uh, I want to give the phone number again real quick. If you want to call or make a comment or ask a question, number is 1-800-729-7532. You can also send an email to smarttalk at org. I think this conversation about partisanship is one of the trickiest ones and probably the most, you know, lasting ones in this whole debate. Um, You know, we've heard a lot of allegations that this Supreme Court decision was partisan. Um, Mark, is there anything to that? So, look, uh, the Supreme, the state Supreme Court for a long time was controlled by Republicans. In 2015, there were three open seats and Democrats won them all and tilted the balance of power on the court for the first time this century. Um, the uh, first lawsuit challenging the 2011 congressional map, the one that was drawn by Republicans in 2011, was filed last summer. And it uh, made its way to a uh, Democratic-controlled Supreme Court, and it was a 5-2 decision that said that the map that we have now is unconstitutional. Five Democrats said it was unconstitutional. Two Republicans um, didn't necessarily say it was constitutional, but they said the the process by which it, w- it was approved was the correct process, and so they, they dissented. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then... And and, 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 would, and that partisan split has made Republicans very unhappy. Well, and I, right. Right. And I – so I had never covered a state Supreme Court uh, proceeding in Pennsylvania before this case came up um, last week. And uh, some of – you know, it was pretty apparent how certain justices were going to go um, based on what they said in their line of questioning in court, uh, you know, at the time I would have said, I don't want to make any assumptions because you really don't know, but that they did seem to be leaning towards um, overturning the map based on what they said. And some, you know, used stronger rhetoric than others. Mark, I don't know if you were there or had the same. Okay, you weren't there. All right, never mind. <laughs> um, and in previous decisions, because I think this court's decision does sort of look it's it's different than the ones we've seen before. In previous decisions, we had a federal court decision on these same maps, and the federal court said, yeah, they're gerrymandered, yeah, it's partisan, but, you know, there's no way we can say that they're illegally gerrymandered. An opinion from a lower court judge on this particular case, and this was a Republican judge, said pretty much the same thing. Yeah, they're partisan, but so what, basically? And so we don't really know why this court made the decision to go. Well, also in his ruling, he emphasized the fact, and this is true, that there wasn't, that there was no demonstration of harm um, made by the plaintiff. So the line of questioning in the Commonwealth Court proceedings from the defendants was consistent for each of the plaintiff witnesses that were brought onto the stand, which was, you know, did, have you had any issues changing your registration, registering initially, uh, voting, supporting a candidate, uh, contributing to a campaign, volunteering on a campaign? And the answer was no to all of those questions. And so one of the things that uh, Judge Kevin Brobson, who's a Republican judge in Commonwealth Court, one of the things he noted in his hearing was that they hadn't demonstrated any harm. And I don't know, or maybe that's another thing we will look for in the full opinion. I'm not sure. So beyond just the map drawing criteria, will the court address the issue of harm done? Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I want to ask, too, I mean, other states, we've seen, you know, similar cases come up in other states. You know, what makes Pennsylvania's outcome kind of unique in this case? I mean, South Carolina had a sort of similar situation, but that was a federal court decision. North Carolina. Or, yeah, North Carolina. One of the Carolinas. <laughs> does it matter? Yes. Yeah, it does matter. There's a um, lot going on. There are so many cases before there are, going yeah. on. So yeah, there, there is. We are at a moment where there is a huge tide of gerrymandering cases. Um, some of them are in front of the U.S. Supreme Court now from other states, uh, Maryland and North Carolina. Com- sorry, no, that would be Wisconsin and um, uh, uh, Maryland come to mind. North Carolina uh, also has cases working their way through the system. But the U.S. Supreme Court has never struck down congressional boundaries based on the gerrymandering claim, the idea uh, being that um, it's it's difficult for them to come up with a definition of what is unconstitutional gerrymandering versus gerrymandering that's okay. So how far is too far? And no one's really been able to come up with that definition, a lasting definition that can guide lower courts. So Pennsylvania's case is uh, unique because it's the first time a state court has thrown out congressional boundaries based on a, a gerrymandering claim. And court watchers wonder if now we'll see a flood of gerrymandering claims at the state court level. Um, state courts decisions can influence other state courts in other states. Um, you know, every state has a different constitution, but um, perhaps that it will inspire the U.S. Supreme Court to get involved and say, uh, to take control of it and say, we are the arbiters of, of what gerrymandering is. And, and so, you know, perhaps that's a reason the U.S. Supreme Court will get involved in this and, mm-hmm. and put a stop to it. I don't know. And there are, you know, as we said before, there are grounds under which they could possibly do that. Um, could this case become sort of a, a precedent center, setter? I mean, a state-level case generally wouldn't in other states, but if it rises to the level of the U.S. Supreme Court, is that a possibility? Do we know? Maybe we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I, it already is a precedent setter sure. based on, you know, kind of smashing the, the gerrymandering barrier at the uh, at the state level. Um Everyone is sort of waiting for the U.S. Supreme Court to settle cases from Wisconsin and um, uh, Maryland that came up through federal courts to see if they will set a standard for when gerrymandering is unconstitutional. Um, You know, nobody knows how they'll rule, but, um, you know, theoretically, in the coming months, they could, and and that will be uh, very very closely watched. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, South Carolina or North Carolina, gosh, in that case, uh, the federal case, the Supreme Court did step in and say that this decision was not what's the word they used. They Germain. just issued they issued a stay. They issued a stay. Yeah, and that was also political and racial gerrymandering both in the same case. So it's not exactly the same. Um, for for multiple reasons as the mm-hmm. the Pennsylvania case, but they only issued a stay in that case. They didn't agree to like to hear it at least not at last check. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a call on the line. This is Joe in uh, Dallas Town. Joe, are you there? Uh, Hi, Joe. I am. Uh, good morning, Katie. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Mark. Um, and the other guest, uh, <laughs> Andrea. Um, good morning, uh, yeah, Emily. My, my, my question and concern is. Uh, uh, you've been doing a great job of describing the uh, congressional redistricting. Um, uh, my question is, is it going to move forward uh, statewide redistricting? I think all politics is local. 
um, the constituents in um, uh, Pennsylvania districts are far more affected by the messy uh, gerrymandering in Pennsylvania than they are in congressional districts. So theoretically, the congressional districts are important, but statewide, uh, is there any movement? Is there going to be a grown-up in a room to, to make any positive changes? Thank you, Joe. That's a that's a good question. I mean, and I think this is something that people get confused about because there's so many levels to this. Yeah. Congressional maps have no bearing on like who your le- state legislator or state senator is. Um, and this case isn't really d- a f- related to those maps at all. But uh, yeah, do you guys think that they're going to have any impact just like more broadly on how the state does gerrymandering or does redistricting? Well, well, well the state legislative maps are are approved through a different process right. so it is yeah, what's, what's the process just the the process is with a commission a five member commission and uh two are appointed by uh democratic lawmakers two are appointed by republican lawmakers and the fifth is the person that those four people agree on now the the last two rounds of this that i'm familiar with they couldn't agree on the fifth person so the supreme court appointed a person so and that person was the difference maker. And the last two times, it was a Republican-controlled Supreme Court that appointed that fifth person. Uh, when this happens again after after the census in 20 or 21, um, the Democratic – well, the Supreme Court, which is controlled by Democrats now, if nothing changes, theoretically, they would be appointing that fifth person if the four people can't agree on that fifth. And you would have a panel of five people, three, two, Democrats controlled um, drawing these maps. Okay. So that's a, it's a very different process from the w- way the congressional maps are drawn. But, uh, you know, is there, you know, to Joe's question, is there a way that, uh, you know, thinking about redistricting so much, could that have an impact on how we do state maps? If perhaps um, this gerrymandering case that's um, consumed the courts uh, over Pennsylvania's congressional districts inspires lawmakers to create uh, more independent commissions Mm -hmm. to draw the congressional lines, perhaps um, they would uh, have one that would draw the state legislative lines, too. It's I mean, there, there's been no movement in the legislature on an independent <laughs> yeah. commission. We can't so. stress enough. They're not doing it very quickly. Um, we have another caller on the line, uh, Jim in Enola. Uh, Jim, you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Jim. Uh, hi, Katie. Uh, I wanted to make a, a couple of points. Uh, you talked about the legislative proposals, and I'm, I'm with an organization called Fair Districts PA, and we are the organization that's behind two bills in the legislature the uh, state Senate bill is uh, Senate Bill 22, and the House bill is House Bill 722. So they're easy to remember because they both have 22 in them. That's uh, smart. And uh, House Bill 22 has 100 uh, and maybe, maybe a few more than 100 sponsors, and the Senate bill has quite a few. The, the one point I want to make that I think is being missed both by reporters and by legislators is it's not just – Republicans versus Democrats, like who's going to win, who's going to lose when the maps are redrawn. One of the reasons to have an independent commission is because we think it will affect the kind of legislators who are elected. If you have, uh, as, as one of your um, 
reporter said uh, districts that are fairly contiguous, that are blobs, rather than these, you know, goofy kicking Donald and the other ones, we think that you're likely to get more moderates. And a lot of studies have shown that most Pennsylvanians are moderate. They, they either lean left or they lean right, but they're not extreme right and not extreme uh, left. And what we tend to have in the Pennsylvania legislature is extreme left-wingers and extreme right-wingers. And we elect them, and we, we expect them to get into a room and agree on things. And it's a huge surprise to no one when they never do. We think that with an independent commission, such as the uh, bills that we are proposing, at the end of the day, we will get legislators who are more moderate and who will be willing to get into a room and actually hammer out the compromises that we need so badly. So thanks very much. Thank you. And, uh, you know, point taken. It's definitely, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we would get more moderate legislators. I think in this state there's people with very specific political views and they bring those views to the legislature. But, uh, I mean, is there anything to that? Could we get a different type of legislator by drawing the maps differently? Well, one of the political scientists who testified during the hearings before Commonwealth Court did show that Pennsylvania is an outlier. They looked at, you know, votes. It was pretty complicated, but basically they were showing not only discussing the map itself, but looking at votes in Congress and over time, um, how often, um, you know, different representatives were voting with their party versus not, and how that's become increasingly rare over time. But when you looked at it on an individual legislator and state level, Pennsylvania was, you know, an outlier in that respect as well. And you could argue that if you you could make the argument that that is correlated to to our map and that perhaps if it was, like the caller was saying, designed by an independent commission and just a simpler map, then maybe Pennsylvania would kind of like fall in line with the rest of the country. Not saying that there's no other state where there's there's been sort of um, more partisanship, partisanship. Yeah. Um, because that's definitely something that's happening in Congress generally. But that Pennsylvania is, you know, more it's more extreme than most other states. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I could see that a, a redrawn map, a simplified map, would create perhaps more districts uh, where there are more that, – that inspire more moderate lawmakers. Right, a district but, that includes a slightly more liberal area and a slightly more conservative area as but, opposed to – But maybe not. I mean, because you do see that there are a handful of districts already in Pennsylvania um, where, you know, arguably there are – relatively moderate uh, lawmakers there where they do cross party lines from time to time. So it, it may be that you have the same number of districts where there's relative moderates in them, but that may be tilted a little bit back towards the middle so that Democrats hold more of those moderate districts. Mm -hmm. So it, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Uh, well, good question. And we're going to go to a quick break. But uh, when we get back, we will resume this and answer some more emails. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF. I'm Katie Meyer and for Scott Lamar. And we've got Emily Previty of Keystone Crossroads and Mark Levy of the Associated Press with us talking about redistricting. Um, so we have uh, an email here from Teresa who says, 
Could you read or talk about the section in the PA Constitution about drawing districts? Something about contiguousness. I've learned much from your shows on this topic. Well, thank you, Teresa. Glad we could help. Um, yeah, I mean, what does the Constitution say about gerrymandering? It's not that specific, but yeah, districts have to be compact and contiguous. That's in the Constitution? Yeah, and... and the state Constitution. Right, and avoid splits of, of municipalities, counties. So it's it's essentially more or less the same wording that um, the uh, state Supreme Court justices put into their order Monday, guiding the drawing of new congressional districts and throwing out the existing ones. Mm-hmm. And compact and contiguous. Contiguous just means like it all touches. There can't be little islands in a district. Um, I, you know, the Constitution says that. The state order says that. But like obviously the Constitution hasn't really been followed. The districts are technically contiguous always, but compact, not quite so much. Well, yeah, I mean... It's it's federal law that they're contiguous and, and have that they be contiguous and have equal populations. Right. Um, but you have districts that are, um, you know, contiguous by uh, the width, uh, or they maintain their contiguity contiguousness mm-hmm. uh, by the the width of a restaurant. Um, yeah. and that I think that's the seventh district where that that occurs. Um, and the sixth district, which is mostly Lancaster County. There are slivers of Burks. I mean, I drove around there with one of my colleagues in that area, driving the boundaries of the 6th um, and 7th and 16th district. And um, it it is, I mean, we sort of got dizzy at one point <laughs> trying to, like, draw or follow um, these lines. It's just, you know, um, it as you said, maybe technically they are contiguous, but it's highly debatable, which is kind of where why we are where we are now, yeah. um, whether it's, it's following the spirit of the law. It's oh, loosely enforced. I mean, it's oh, not, yeah, the, yeah. The, the map has just so many unexplained splits that yeah. there, there's no other way to look at it except that um, it was politically motivated. I mean, they, they split the city of Harrisburg. They split mm-hmm. the city of Reading. They split the city of Bethlehem. I mean, mm-hmm. Erie had been uh, historically had its own, you know, in, in 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 the county of Erie in one congressional district. That's now split. Yeah. And the question is why? Yeah. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes left on the program. So if you still have a call or a question, you can get in touch with us at 1-800-729-7532 or email at WITF, no, smarttalk at WITF.org. And that is something that um, came up in court, uh, what Mark was mentioning in terms of the question is why, um, with all of the sort of legalese that's flying around, so, I mean, very simply, that question was never really answered. There's, you know, an admission at certain points that, poli- you know, that these were highly politicized decisions that were made, but no one's been very specific about explaining exactly why the districts were drawn in each case the way that they were. Mm-hmm. So no, no one's really... Yeah. Answer that. There was no defense saying, "Well, actually, this you know it wasn't entirely partisan. We we couldn't maintain um, equal populations, for example, unless we did it that way." No right. one said that, right? Yeah. Um, I also want to kind of just zoom out, big picture, because these congressional maps they don't just affect Pennsylvania. Obviously, they affect the entire country, and Pennsylvania in particular is going to be a really important state in this upcoming election. We were just talking about this during the break, but I mean, we have so many open seats, Mark. I mean, like what 
what is the situation going into this midterm? Yeah, so this is a, a crazy year uh, for the congressional elections in Pennsylvania, even before the, the state Supreme Court threw out the congressional lines. Um, there are roughly 70 people who have said that they're running or they're, they're considering running. Um, when you look back at the primary ballots in 2016, there were about 40 people on them. So there's huge interest in running. There's a lot of open seats. Uh, Democrats have a, are being propelled by an anti-Trump fervor. Um, Republicans are worried about an anti-Trump backlash. It's, it's, they're expecting a very difficult year. And nationally, uh, in, in, in the U.S. House, the Republicans have about a two-dozen seat majority. So to the extent that uh, Democrats pick up seats in Pennsylvania, um, that will eat into that majority. And, um, you know, Pennsylvania is a very meaningful state. It's, it's the sixth large, fifth largest state population-wise. It sends a lot of members to Congress. It sends uh, about the fourth most Republicans to the U.S. House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it'll be interesting to see if what appears to be what we're seeing is maybe an increase in engagement and activism is going to translate into higher turnout mm-hmm. um, in a midterm. Uh, also, you know, Mark talked about the high numbers of people uh, running for these seats. I can't speak about every district, but I can talk about the 15th as perhaps an illustration, which is there are 13 candidates running. And, you know, a lot of times in a race, it's sort of apparent who the most qualified candidate is, at least on either side, and, you know, who would be endorsed to the front runner. And really, everyone who's running, um, it's surprising how many of those candidates are highly qualified, or at least, you know, theoretically qualified to be a, a contender. You've got most people who in that race have either held office one or multiple times previously, they're currently in, in an elected position and or they're politically active and politically connected within their community or the state party. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, I mean, again, with the big picture thing, I mean, Pennsylvania, because we're such an important state in this election, because we have so many openings and so many contested seats, you know, having this, you know, almost last minute shakeup, you know, as people are starting to file petitions or getting ready to do so, does that set the election all a little bit off balance, at least in this state? Yeah. So, I mean, with, with all these people who, who want to run, um, they if if the districts do indeed get redrawn in the coming weeks, a lot of these people may find that they no longer live in the district that they lived in, yeah. you know, last week. So um, you can run for a district that you don't live in, but um, as I think I mentioned earlier, it's mm. a huge political liability. Inspires, you know, carpet bagging attacks. <laughs> yeah, and why is it? Is it just people are going to write mean ads about you? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's part of it. Um, it's it's historically been used against people who who consider running in a district. I mean, look, I, I mentioned the example of Keith Rothfuss uh, yeah. when he found that he was drawn out of the twelfth district by a block or two in two thousand eleven. The first thing he did was move into the district. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it has the potential to completely redraw districts to leave people. Uh, reconsidering whether to run because they're in a different district and it will compress the schedule for people to uh, distribute petitions, get voter signatures and file that paperwork to get on the May 15th um, primary ballot. 
And the thing, you know, we mentioned before that there's this six-day sort of overlap um, being that the February 13th is when the period for circulating nominating petitions begins. The maps probably won't be in place until the 19th if there's no, you know, if there's no stay uh, granted by the, the U.S. Supreme Court on this decision. And so you have these six days where you're getting petition, you're getting petitions signed, getting signatures, and you may not be able to use them if you're drawn out of your district. You know, it's not like you have to start all over again. Yeah. Um, and in addition to that, uh, the survey of candidates in the 15th, um, only one adamantly stated that she would run in what, whatever district she she lived in, whatever that happened to be. The rest sort of took the position like, you know, we'll wait and see, even though, as Mark said, it's... Uh, it's difficult. It's a political liability to try to run. I, I should live. point out, though, there are a couple candidates who don't live in the seventh district right now who are right. who say they're running for it. So, so we'll see. We have one more email. Um, this person, oh, it just says email three. We don't know what their name is. Mystery person says, "I believe that if there is a more diverse population in a representative's district, the representative will have to negotiate as if they had more moderate beliefs." Kind of what we were talking about before, even if they don't actually have more moderate beliefs. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much their point. It's possible, for sure. I think if, you know, people have to represent more districts with more different people in them and have a chance of getting voted out if they don't make all of those people happy, you know, it makes their job a little bit tougher and it makes them have to think, you know, a little bit harder maybe about the strong positions that they take on certain issues. So long as they all turn out. I mean, that's the thing is they yes. uh, the uh, quality and specificity of data that's available on the on voting activity is such that, you know, if people are adhering to assumptions that they're not going to vote and there's a fair amount of confidence in that, then maybe maybe that's, you know, and the representative knows that, then maybe they're not as inclined to consider that uh, that viewpoint when they're making their decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And Mark, I want to ask you, because you've been here, you know, a while now, you've been covering the legislature through several cycles. Um you know, have people gotten more partisan? Like, is this something that you've seen growing over the years? Um, it's hard to tell. Um, I, I think most people would say yes that um, the uh, it's it's Pennsylvania is in line with the rest of the country. That the country has become more divided in the last decade. Um, you, you know, it's it's difficult to say. It's difficult to say what causes that. Um, I know there's a lot of theories out there, but um, I don't know that changing the congressional boundaries will, will change anything. For all we know, the congressional boundaries will be completely redrawn and Republicans will still win 13 of the 18 in Pennsylvania yeah. as, as they have now. Um, well, I think that's important to note that, you know, I, I think a lot of Democrats see this decision, you know, it, it could go any number of ways. The Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court could put a stay on it. The uh, the courts could end up drawing these maps. We don't exactly know what's going to happen. But, um, you know, it, Democrats aren't guaranteed to get a good outcome here or they're not guaranteed to get an outcome as, as good as they want, right? Right. And I mean, Republicans make the argument that, you know, we won these districts not because of gerrymandering, but because we have great candidates. And um, so um, redrawing the districts may put that to the test. Absolutely. Well, I think we'll leave it there on the, the note that there's a lot we don't know about this. And it's a conversation that we're absolutely going to continue. Thanks to our guests, Mark Levy and Emily Previty. And uh, tune in next week.